The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, training camps have opened. The September surprise injuries are in the rearview mirror. And it is that time of year. Sadly, these lines keep coming out earlier and earlier. I made a pointed attempt to not look at any of them until I really started going through this exercise because I wanted my predictions to be unaffected by the preseason lines. We're going to do the Eastern Conference today. And I'm getting these lines from the Westgate Superbook as of the most recent ones I could find were on the Action Network as of about a week ago. So Danny and I generally just pick an over or under. Then we do our best bets at the end. That'll be in the next podcast after we do the West. Have I won this every year, by the way? Is, is that a nice introduction for you? No, no, I, I think, <laughs> let's see. I, I think that you have won. You've definitely won it more often than I have. I don't know if you've won well, it Well, won year. it, no, I, I guess winning it because like when We've we changed actually- the criteria, but you mean like picking the most correct of the 30. Yes. Yeah, I think you've won that. I think I've won best bets a couple of times. But yeah, I think you've I th- won best bets nearly every time, actually. That could very uh, well be true. But So I'm much better at my worst bets than you are, though. Yeah, that, uh, that, that is also true. Okay, let's get started here with the Atlanta Hawks. Ooh. 36, which is way higher than I thought it would be. Uh, when I had Brad Rowland on, he was referencing it being around 34. So I guess that's been bet up or he was looking somewhere else. But uh, I got a real hard under on this because I, I have a number of concerns uh, about the Hawks, uh, which I detailed on that pod uh, with Brad. So you and I haven't talked about the Hawks. Why don't you uh, give your pick and go first here or, or, or go first with your explanation? Well, the Hawks won 29 games last year using cleaning the glasses filter. So they basically what they do is they turn point differential filtering out garbage time into an expected one loss record. They So the Hawks won 29 last year. They had the differential of a 24.4 win team. And while there are plenty of reasons to expect the Hawks to be meaningfully better, one of them being that they looked a lot more robust once they got John Collins back, hopefully he'll play a higher proportion of the upcoming season than the prior one. But my biggest reason why this is a pretty comfortable under for me is defense. Last year, the Hawks were 27th in defense. They will probably get some internal improvement just as guys learn in the league, but they also lost their two best defenders. Dwayne Dedman is being replaced by Alex Len or going smaller, and Kent Bazemore was traded for Evan Turner. So it is hard for me to imagine that even if they make significant growth on offense, which is entirely possible, that they get significantly better defensively, and it's a big jump from where they were to this kind of a number. I was expecting to go under on the Hawks just based on the general optimism, like I'm more pessimistic on them than most, but this number was just hilarious to me. Yeah, that seems really, really high. And as part of my prep for this, I tried to kind of go through and rank all the teams into tiers based uh, on offense and defense. And I think Atlanta is clearly in the bottom tier in terms of defense. I, I think 
they're a pretty good bet to be a bottom five defense I think with Trey Young on the floor they could approach top 10 offense type of levels but the problem is when he's off the floor now Evan Turner is your backup point guard they also just have are be playing a lot of unproven players in the, in the rotation the injury news on Alan Crabb that he's gonna not even be involved in the entire preseason uh, you know looks like he might be a good bet to just not contribute early on in the season as well they also have kind of a difficult schedule early on which could be a little disheartening so yeah I, I think my prediction on the pod that I did with Brad was for 30 wins so this I mean this may end up being one of my best bets it's pretty rare that my prediction will be six wins below Vegas so uh, that is a a real surprise to me and I think again it's just this defense is going to be so bad you're I mean I don't see them being a top five offense and they really would have to be like the number 10 number nine number eight offense assuming that's what the defense is to approach that 36 wins and I'd especially because you know maybe they could play that well with Trey on the floor but with Evan Turner as a backup point guard other big questions in the rotation backup center is going to be a nightmare and that you know and they don't play their guys that many minutes either now maybe Collins will be the backup center but they're not going to defend with him on the floor either I'm just uh, they really just have a lot of holes and the loss of Crab opens up even more there's also talk uh, of some injuries and soreness for guys like Collins and Herter and Alex Len already here in camp the Hawks are usually pretty transparent about those type of injuries so maybe they're just reporting them for the sake of being safe but i i still think that these guys there's a lot of optimism for them i think a lot of people are buying into the fact that they're a 29 win team when they were about five wins before uh, above expectation as you mentioned so i mean if you say hey they're gonna start at a 24 win team and there are a lot of ways in which they got worse like their depth is clearly worse like losing to Wayne Dedman who was I think you know I think he's better offensively than Len there's hope that Len's going to shoot the ball better this year but we'll see about that and uh, definitely their best defensive player from last year so I think a six win improvement when you consider how many rookies they're going to have the depth that they lost some of the holes in the rotation at backup point guard and backup center that might even be optimistic to say they're gonna be six wins better than last year when you consider again that their their point differential is so low. I mean the, the only thing that I can think of is that people are pricing you know 29 wins last year they'll be six seven wins better okay that's fine if they were a 29 win team last year but they weren't the only thing I want to emphasize or add in is is the limitation of point guard because they brought in Evan Turner who can be a ball handler on the second unit and maybe you can play him a little bit with Trey but if Young misses time or if, you know, he gets hurt or whatever, they don't really have anybody in-house. And point guard is a notoriously hard position. I've emphasized the 48 good minutes at that spot for years now, inspired by the Brooklyn Nets a few years ago. And the Hawks don't have that. They just they just aren't in that situation. And that's the it's an easy way to sink a couple of games. And when you have an optimistic line, that's something to get into. But I don't know. I guess I guess one very brief thing is, what do you think it would take for us to be wrong on this? Because you and I are both pretty pretty firm here. Would it be just the defense is passable? Maybe there's some three point shooting, like opponent three point shooting luck, and then they're just a great offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always teams can always get lucky right i mean when we're doing this we're projecting it of kind of you know they're going to be either lucky or unlucky you know you just you kind of nail this so you know if they win five more games than expected this year as well then that would be step one you know then they'd be pretty close already if i'm projecting them as a 30 win team and young would have to blow up he and collins would have to play a lot of games and a lot of minutes uh and yeah maybe the second unit defense could be a little bit better uh young and herder you can get a little better deandre hutter is a huge stud on the wing defensively right away i'm not saying it's impossible for it to happen i mean that's why these 
over-unders are set at where you can go either way in theory but i i still think that it's going to take a lot and you know if they could get the defense to be bad instead of bottom five in the league that would be a big step forward and you know maybe trey young just blows up again and they play closer to like almost a top five offense with him and young and collins is a pretty with shooting around him is a pretty decent way to get started with an offense to be sure so maybe those guys just all take a, a step forward but i mean you see the number of things that i'm talking about that have to happen that's a lot of things and so that's why i feel pretty comfortable with the under here should we move on yeah let's go on to the boston celtics last year boston went 49 and 33 and their over under is set at 49 and a half wins and i i think that the biggest place for me to go the, the reason i'm going under is that is the defensive end so last year boston finished seventh in the league the point guard swap of irving for for kemba is certainly notable i mean that will affect the team in many ways but losing al horford and aaron baines and largely replacing them with ennis canner is huge and if brad stevens can get this group to put it all together and and be a really strong defensive group more power to him i think this is going to be another you know demonstration year for stevens he's he's cobbled it together before so it's not impossible but without al horford it'll be fundamentally different and this again it, it, it is it's entirely possible you'll hear me say this for a lot of teams like i could see them doing this which is why it's not one of my best bets but i don't expect it so i feel decent about the under here yeah i went for the under as well i think having to get to 50 wins for this group i'm not saying it's impossible but that seems like a, a lot for me now maybe a trade helps them at the end of the year because i mean you're talking about trading kyrie irving for kemba walker and as as much as everyone complained about kyrie irving they still were awesome offensively when he was on the floor you know they're basically a top five offense when he was on the floor kemba certainly did a ton to drag charlotte's offense up as well but you know he's not as good as irving uh might play more games Irving I think only only played in the 60s last year Kemba is a little bit better of a health record but there's some potential age regression the joining new teams penalty that you'll see that Kevin Pelton has talked about a lot as well but if you're going to trade Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor replacing Kyrie Irving and Al Horford I think eh, maybe you could argue that Cantor is better than Horford on just offense I'm going to say probably not when you throw in the spacing and passing that Horford provided and then I think Irving is is still better than Walker. So I would say they're going to take a little bit of a step back on offense and then pretty big step back on defense with the loss of Horford and Baines, as you mentioned. They're really just going to need someone to step up. And then, you know, the other thing that you look at is, is where is the internal improvement going to come from? Like that's, you're going to have to see Jalen Braun, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward all have much better seasons than they had last year for them to hit this. And you would expect that they would, but I'm just, I'm not ready to count on those guys really providing like incredibly high production. And I, a couple of them could, and maybe you only need a couple more to be your secondary creator on, on the perimeter. So I'm not saying this is obvious that they're going to go under here, but I mean, it's pretty tough to imagine that they uh, are going to be better than last year. And last year, they were a little unlucky. They were uh, about three point or, or three wins worse than expected last year. So that might give you some hope that they take a little bit of a step back and they could still win 50 but that 40 you know if it were 48 47 that i would be that's kind of what i'm seeing them as personally agreed one other thing to note is that it's always a concern for me when the desired way to attack a team's starting five and very potentially their closing five is a one five pick and roll that 
it just makes it harder to be a good defense because that's something yeah. teams. Well, are they'll do. put they'll put Marcus Smart on whoever the. Yeah, the, sure. There the, there are the things the that they can do, but I mean, lead ball bring, make Ennis Cantor defend in space. It's not exactly a, yeah. a revolutionary yeah. concept. No, I mean, there's talk that Robert Williams might actually have a chance to start for these yeah. guys, and but yeah, I mean, they don't really have like the small ball option that they had last year. So I, I'm just I think it's going to take a while to kind of figure the figure this out as well. Figure out whether Jalen Braun, Jason Tatum, or Gordon Hayward, you know, put those guys into an, a hierarchy offensively. And they just don't have that many guys other than Cantor who have really been just like that crazy efficient number one score type of level. You know, Walker, again, has been kind of in, in the second or third group of those type of guys to me. Also, and again, I don't expect him to be quite as good as he was in Charlotte. How Stevens manages the playmaking when Kemba Walker's not on the floor. They have, they have options, but they don't really have that, you know, guy that you just throw the ball to you know like a, a true backup backup yeah. one now, now stevens you mentioned him he that's a reason perhaps why they could overperform Absolutely. now if he's got everyone buying in again this year it, he there's talk both strategically and emotionally he didn't do the greatest job last year this will be a chance uh, for him to redeem himself i'm still a, a believer in his coaching um so uh, anything else you want to say on these guys no i think we can move on to their division rivals the brooklyn nets after an extremely eventful offseason, which makes it so I don't even want to mention what their differential that too much about what that was last year because it's a, a fundamentally different team in a lot of ways. Their over under is set at 44. And Brooklyn, one of the hardest teams for me to do in the abstract. And then this was the type of number that was going to give me problems. And to factor it in, I won't mention too much about, I mean, I did over unders with Arturo Galetti when for Real Jam Radio when the odds came out. And that was a long time ago. This line has dropped two and a half wins since then maybe partially with the kind of understanding of where kevin durant stuff is and but it it's i think it this is a pretty reasonable number which i i'm excited about that's what kind of what we want for this exercise yeah i do think that last year's performance is noteworthy because i thought they really overperformed defensively to be number 15 and i think they've clearly gotten worse on that end if DeAndre Jordan is going to play more, that's not great. I think he, he's worse uh, than Ed Davis. Kyrie Irving, eh, yeah, maybe he's about the same as D'Angelo Russell. I, I guess if he's going to be trying, I don't know. That's that's not too amazing. On the wing, I think they they really you know they're going to miss Jared Dudley. They're going to miss Damari Carroll. I don't think they have guys who are as good as they were on the wing to defend. And this again, we're assuming that KD is going to miss most, if not all, the season, and then. You know, when he comes back, he's probably not exactly going to be focusing on defense. So I think these guys could actually fall into the 20s in defense. I do think they're going to be better offensively, though. You know, I, I think, again, you just go back and look at Kyrie Irving, and then you know that Brooklyn's always going to have shooting around him, and they'll have a good finishers at the rim in Jordan and Allen. I think Jordan is still a, a reasonable offensive center, if not a defensive center. So I do think they're going to be pretty good offensively, and they also still have enough good nba players that they're not going to be playing guys who just even without i mean maybe you could say power forward is the one place where, where they could struggle there you don't know what crooks situation with the domestic violence allegations is going to be wilson chandler is out due to the performance enhancing drug suspension but i think they're always going to have shooting and they're going to have enough creation between dinwiddie lavert and irving Irving is probably going to miss games, which is a concern. Um, so I think they'll, they'll be a little better offensively. The quietly, they were below average offensively, even though this is kind of a run and gun team. But I do think the defense seems like it's going to, it's kind of smoke and mirrors. And 
that they've added some defenders who are pretty uninspiring to this group i don't know if they're gonna have quite the same level of togetherness and just overall feel-good vibe that maybe lets a team play like more than the sum of its parts defensively so ultimately i I am going to go under even on that 44 wins but i don't think you know again i'm not particularly confident of that i expect them to be uh, in the playoff mix another time that we're picking the under despite liking their head coach and i could see atkinson you know that it working out reasonably well for him i I mean they usually at least defend well enough from a math standpoint that maybe they can just do that again and and the numbers will bend to them a little bit exactly and and i think irving could make a could make a difference and and another huge factor is if they can be healthier i mean karis lavert was playing really well before he had that scary injury and missed most of the rest of the regular season so if he plays a higher proportion of minutes if dinwood and Kyrie Irving you know if you're getting a lot from those guys and Joe like they have a lot of offensive talent so I could see a pretty significant jump there but I agree with you that there's going to be a, a defensive decline especially in terms of just the talent of the personnel now that'll be a, a big challenge for them to overcome so yeah I'm picking the under as well but I don't feel great about it it's just it, it, it's a good one and that's that's what you want but I think it's more likely to me that they win you know low 40s than they win mid 40s especially considering I mean, one of the things they need is for Kyrie Irving to stay healthy, and we know the history there. All right, well, find out if either of us is going to actually pick it over in this entire podcast, us noted pessimists, right after this from Lightstream. There was a time when I was back in college and law school that I got into a little bit of credit card debt. It was a a big time regret. I wish that Lightstream had been around at, at that time because I got to a point where I was really only making some of the minimum payments And with Lightstream, you can pay off your high interest credit card balances and save money with a credit card consolidation loan. With Lightstream, you can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR when you auto pay, much lower than the national average interest rate of over 20% APR, and your rate is fixed, so as rates continue to rise... Your low rate won't budge. The online application is quick and easy. You can apply right from your phone and you can even get your money as soon as the day that you apply. For my listeners, you can now get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is if you go to lightstream.com slash capspace, lightstream, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M, lightstream.com slash capspace, easier to know slash capspace. So we talk about all the time here on the program. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash capspace for more information. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, after that epic tease before the break, I will go over 23 wins for the Charlotte Hornets. I will too. And, and I feel terrible about it. I'll say that. <laughs> well, so I, I think this is, for me, it's a little bit clarifying. We talked about this on the, the last Patreon mailbag that we did about like kind of teams that we're not really excited about watching this year. My belief is that the Hornets will be less watchable than bad. You know, like they're they're going to be tough to watch, but I don't think they're going to be truly terrible. A veteran laden team, you know, with guys like Batum and Zeller, like they have enough enough guy Marvin Williams that I, I think they'll be able to be kind of competent. Yeah. Neither of us is the biggest fan of Terry Rozier, but the biggest reason why I'm picking the over here is. 23 wins is just a really, really small total. That's exactly what I was going to say. And you can stumble your way to this pretty easily. And also remember that with lottery reform, they, you know, depending on where the Hornets fit in the pecking order, you could see them just picking up a few, a few cheapies towards the end of the year, all that sort of stuff. And also I think 
they're to me a little bit better than the absolute worst teams. And so I think they'll do decently in those games. And then that gives you a buffer to, you know, to be poor. Uh, are they? The they have the lowest over under on the board. I think, I think they're better than that personally. Like if you, if you yeah. were to put them, if you were to put them in a game against the Cavs, I would take the Hornets pretty easily. Yeah. That's interesting. Cavs have a higher over under. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I do not Man, want to watch that game. Is... That Ben Bendall's going to have some fun with that game. Oh god. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you just look through this roster, they just have absolutely no creation. I mean, I I think as I was going through and trying to rank the offenses, I think these guys will probably be the worst offense in the NBA, and that's a really bad starting point. Rozier just hasn't been efficient. I mean, they're really relying on him to provide average point guard play. I think that's that's going to be tough. I mean, they do have a modicum of shooting. But even so, I mean, there's so many guys in this rotation that are either totally unproven or have big issues. There's also the chance that guys could get bought out from this team. I mean, you have to imagine that Marvin Williams and probably not Batum because he goes another year. But Marvin Williams, who might Marvin Williams might be their best player, <laughs> either either him or, or Rozier. Uh, so he he could get bought out. Who knows how many minutes he's going to play? The, I mean, the the vets that they do have probably aren't going to play much. So it, basically. I'm for them to hit this over I'm counting on their defense being passable and I think it will be I think there aren't really any just like terrible defenders on this team you know maybe Willie Hernan Gomez as a backup center but other than that Rozier is is fine at the one Batum has dropped off but he's not a complete sieve Dwayne Bacon Gilchrist uh Bridges Marvin Williams Cody Zeller like these guys are pros uh, as you mentioned so I think I think their defense will be like you know in the like you know 20 to 24 range so that's that's hopefully enough to get you over that really low number but they could very easily go under this is not at all a confident prediction and I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not happy for having put my faith in this group put it this way because I mean to give a little bit of statistical clarity on why i think they're gonna be the worst offense with kemba walker off the floor last year they're in the 102 range offensively and that's you know basically worse than the league type of level so and yeah rosier's a little bit better than some of the backups that they had last year though they did have tony parker but it's still i mean it, unless terry rosier just really is way better than we think he is i think they're gonna suck offensively and so we're just gonna have to hope that the defense uh, and that they're going to just continue to compete and some of these vets play a little more and that they're not just a complete tire fire by the end of the year anything else on them or do you want to move on to your chicago bulls your world champion chicago bulls sorry i channeled uh ray clay there for a second 33 and a half what do you think i like this a lot better when it was 30 and a half which was shocking like th- it was so weird for the bulls to be in a low line which they were at the very beginning of this and they got bet up yeah. which well, I, because- I really missed out by like not doing this until now yeah but that i, th- I think that one moved pretty quickly and for, as a point of reference using that cleaning the glass point differential thing they brought up before 33 and a half wins is getting outscored by about three points per hundred possessions it's what the wizards did last year and i think the bulls are better than that i think they're going to make some big strides on defense and they could have some offensive growth too remember that their season was really sidetracked last year because they were never really healthy at the same time they had the zach levine injury and then there was all the stuff with chris dunn and various other players and they of course got Otto porter in season but then port uh, wendell carter got hurt pretty early and so you had all these different factors in play they're deeper now which i think is important they're also deeper defensively which is definitely going to help sato thaddeus young is a huge piece there so i there is always a concern for me when i go over on a team that i don't expect to make the playoffs that it doesn't take much to swing it usually but i just think they're a better team than this so i'm going over 
Yeah, the big thing I think you're relying on is two things. One, the new addition, Sato and Young, really, really helping the defense. And I mean, I'm gonna, it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is. If I was having a Thaddeus Young as an all-defense level of forward, number one, I'm going to expect Indiana to be worse defensively. I'm going to expect Chicago to be a lot better. I think the Bulls just had a lot of non-NBA players in the rotation last year. This year, they're looking, de- I mean, Chris Dunn, I think is fine, is at least as a backup. Hopefully they'll start Sadaransky. We'll see where Kobe White fits in, obviously. I'm sure Jim Boylan is going to try to make him earn it and He's not going to be a quality player as a 19-year-old point guard starting in the NBA. But then they got Levine. Hopefully Denzel Valentine will be back to give him a little bit. I, I am slightly worried about the wing depth. You know, maybe Sadoransky will get some minutes at the two as well. But they've only got Levine and Porter. Backing those guys up, there isn't much. Right now, Chandler Hutchison isn't any good, and he's starting camp on the shelf with a hamstring issue. Valentine didn't play at all last year. So there's not a ton behind those guys, and those guys have also struggled with injuries as well. And so the defense getting better is one thing. The second thing is Lowry Markinen, Wendell Carter, and Zach Levine, who's probably their three core players, all of them taking a step forward. That I think is more of an offensive issue, although you know Levine could maybe get to be slightly better than terrible. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, but Carter was pretty good defensively last year. I think it's just a question of whether he and Markin and Levine are going to take another step forward offensive because this is a team that was a bottom five uh, offense and defense last year. So they have a long way to go. Their expected one loss last year was pretty rough. It was only 20.1. Again, that's with a lot of guys who are just not NBA rotation players who aren't around anymore. So yeah, I mean, 34 wins, it's, it is tough for me to go this high. I am tentatively going to go with the over because I think they can be a mid-pack defense and maybe a slightly below average offense with these, these guys now. But injury to Levine, injury to Porter, especially Porter, they just have nothing behind him at all. Then they could, they could be a big trouble and this under could hit very easily. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, this is the kind of over that makes me a little bit queasy, but I, I just think, that, you know, they have enough depth, they have enough talent, and I don't exactly know where the Bulls are going to go during the season, but something else that I turn to in these circumstances, and this will come up with a few other teams, is, is it more likely that they're a buyer or a seller? And my instinct is that it's more likely that they're a buyer, just because I don't really know what they would sell. So that, it helps a little, it helps inform on the margins in a case like this. Yeah, I mean, now, Jim Boylan is not someone that people think pretty highly of until proven differently you probably have to say he's kind of in the lower end of nba coaches so that's a, another issue as well but I, I do think porter is the key to their season if he can stay healthy i think they're going to be competent when he plays and in fact the few games that he was able to play they're about even last year before he had to shut it down remember marketing had that heart issue he was done by the end of the year carter was done by the end of the year levine only played like 60 games chris dunn missed a bunch of time last year they had nothing at backup power four. They had nothing at backup small forward. So yeah, the depth isn't perfect, but it's, I mean, they actually have like eight real NBA rotation players, which they haven't had in the past. Cleveland. Uh, oh boy. 20, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Uh, so, okay. Last year, the Cleveland Cavaliers won 19 games that had the point differential of an 18.5 win team and their over under line is set at 24 and a half. And so the question I want to start with you here is, other than Kevin Love hopefully playing more, are they much better than last year's team? 
Yeah, that's what I struggled with also. You remember they had maybe the worst defense in NBA history relative to the league. So you just have to expect some regression in the mean there. But they added another guy in Darius Garland who uh, has almost no high-level experience after playing only five games with Vanderbilt last year. Not known for his defense necessarily either. Colin Sexton can't be quite as bad in year two as he was in year one defensively. But they didn't add anyone of note on defense. In fact, David Nwaba, maybe their best defender, isn't on the team anymore. So I think they're very clearly a bottom five defense, probably the best bet to be the worst defense in the league. I mean, they, they were the worst last year, and they basically bring back the exact same team, except adding, you know, probably 2,000 minutes in Garland of someone who's not going to be any good. You could also see, much like with Charlotte, some of their vets getting moved, whether it's Love, whether it's Tristan Thompson, Jordan Clarkson, who quietly actually had a semi-decent season for them last year, at least given uh, what they needed. So when you're starting from that bad of a defense, I think uh, it's pretty rough. And then when you look at the offensive talent, and you got to just be huge believers in Sexton and Garland at this point in time to be able to drive efficient offense, and that Kevin Love is going to have a big effect as well. Now, he can still shoot the ball, he can still get to the foul line, but offensively as an engine really creating he was not that good last year he was shot 41 percent on two pointers last year in about 600 minutes and he's also a huge health risk i mean probably will play more games for the Cavs this year than he did last year but when you consider the possibility of a trade and his injury history that's not the safest bet in the world so yeah i'm uh i think they could be better offensively that's what would have to happen for them to go over but i mean this we're talking about them being six wins better than they were last year and i'm not sure other than just regression of the mean and kevin love playing more where that's supposed to come from right and and that so i think we're we're pretty much in the same boat there and with the Cavs, i, I could see yeah. tristan thompson having a better season than he did last year i mean it was one of one of the bigger disappointments for me but i don't even think him at anything less than that finals when he did so well anything less than that level is really gonna lift all the boats like that they're just so yeah. much so many negatives I mean, defensively I mean, maybe like john henson and dalvadova could play more and that would help them get better defensively yeah but i mean we kind of know where this team is organizationally yeah. they're gonna want it because right. they with especially with with Delvadova, they have young guys ahead of him in the rotation and the front office management speaking more broadly that's where they want this to go so maybe it's like beeline galvanizes them or something but there just isn't the yeah. talent there that's that's the biggest challenge is that even if he is that force there are only a few coaches that significantly raise their team's defensive prowess over the talent level yeah. and the talent level is putrid maybe there's defense. hope that he could help them get better offensively where again yeah. i think that's that's where i think there's yeah. a higher chance of gains yeah but these guys get into 25 wins you know that seems yeah again that's uh, almost seven wins better than their point differential from last year again i'm not saying it can't happen but I, I mean another thing to consider too is like kevin porter jr and dylan windler and those are guys who are drafted in the last five picks of the first round those guys they're going to want to play those guys too but down the end also you would think so again there's not the tanking impetus that there has been before if there were such an impetus then i'd feel really good about the under for some of these teams and i you know i might even have gone under for charlotte as well but no i think uh it's under time again for uh, the Cavs because uh, i'm just not buying this defense and uh regression to the mean when you're kind of bringing back a pretty similar group to last year and if anything you're adding guys who aren't going to help you on that end that doesn't seem too promising 
Ready for Detroit? Yeah. The Pistons went 500 last year. They're 41 and 41. They had the differential of basically 500 team. They were slightly positive and brought back a pretty similar team. They obviously added some new pieces. Derek Rose being most notable among them for me. And I'm going to like Seku long-term, but, but probably not as much in the first year. And they're over under a set of 38, which is, you know, three fewer than they won last year. And the way that I thought about this, and I really struggled this to me, this was, was one of the more challenging lines in both conferences for right now. And the reason why is because really this is a, to me, it's a health slash regression bet on Blake Griffin. Griffin last year was awesome. Like on the court was awesome. Also played in 75 games. They were 39 and 36. To me, they looked like a, you know, maybe an uninspiring playoff team, but definitely a playoff team when he was on the floor in, in the games that he played. Well, and worth noting too, that they were on pace to be a little bit better than their record. Right. And then he missed the last seven games. And they just fell off a cliff. Right. Yeah. And and that ties in for, for me with thought press was. So played in 75 games, was excellent in those games. One of the, one of my happiest stories of last year going back through this. So this, this is how many games Blake Griffin played in each of his last five seasons, 75, 58, 61, 35, 67. And there are reasons, the reasons to believe that maybe yeah. some of the also had off season knee surgery, but also way. had off season knee surgery. So for me, and, I, and he I, had that surgery after he'd been, tr- he at least tried to play on, right. We've been talking, we've been talking about surgery. that when they got, when they got worked out of the playoffs, it's just like, what are you doing this for? All that kind of stuff. And they did. And he barely, you know, his, his impact in the playoffs was, was very muted. And I think that when Blake Griffin plays, the Pistons are a meaningfully better team than this. And I and some of the moves they made, especially if, because the passage of time should maybe help get them some better play at shooting guard, which was such a problem last year. Adding Tony Snell gives them another option for probably the three more than the two. Those are positives. And, and I think that there are reasons to believe that they'll be better. But if Blake Griffin plays 65 games, if he plays 61 games then this number is just a little bit high. And so I'm going under, though I don't feel good at all about it. Our first difference. I'm going to go over. Uh, Blake Griffin, by the way, is uh, quote-unquote ready to go, says Dwayne Casey uh, for training camp coming off of that knee surgery. Yeah, this just feels like a little bit higher. Now, I mean, this is hilarious, right? Like, Detroit's has Detroit's over-under been 38 for, like, basically the last five years? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely feels that way. I think it was like it was 38 and a half last year or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think that I would barely go with the over. I have the fears that you do about Blake Griffin. I do think that some of their young guys can get better. Andre Drummond really came on in the second half of last season. The hope is that he can continue that. I mean, but this is just a, a really tough team to peg, right? I mean, if you're thinking about where they'd be offensively, 21st last year, you know, you'd think they'd be kind of right around there. Once more defensively, they're 12th. So, I mean, it seems like that's pretty much what they're going to do again this year. Maybe you, if you'd have to pick one of those two to fall off, maybe you'd say the defense, but they've got other than Griffin. I mean, Rosie Jackson's not great either, but you know, if Bruce Brown is going to play more, he, he really helps there. Maybe they're hoping to get more from Luke Kennard on offense. Tony Snell, I think, will just give them something on the wing that they lacked last year. I mean, they're playing Stanley Johnson for the first two-thirds of the season before the trade deadline. Markeith Morris can give them a, a little bit more at backup power forward than they had. I think backup center could be a little bit better than Zaza was last year. I'm a little worried about backup point guard, where Ish Smith gave them a lot. I don't know. I, mean, I think when Rose is healthy, he can be better than Smith, but we don't know whether he's going to be healthy, and then you're, you're at Tim Frazier. So I think all of that is is a wash 
and I hope they can survive a little bit better if Griffin does miss time. And considering that he played 75 games last year, if you say he's going to play 67 this year, that's not that many fewer. But admittedly, it could be a lot worse. Or he could just you know take a step back because he's shoots it worse from three. It was 36% last year, which is pretty awesome, a pretty high volume. Or just the age-related regression in addition to uh, potential health issues. So another one I don't feel great about, but I am going to go over 38 wins for Detroit. And I feel... I at least feel good. Like they're going to be pushing towards the end to make the playoffs. That'll help me. And I feel good that they can at least push here uh, with the 38 wins. Yeah, I would have felt a lot better getting thinking the under here if it was 39 or 40, but that's the way it works. And I think we can move on to another team in the Central Division, the Indiana Pacers. Lots of changes there, but the Pacers last year, 48-win team, differential of a 48.6 win team, so pretty much along those lines. And... The over-under here was set at 47.5, and and I was shocked by this, not because the Pacers, you know, at full strength are significantly worse than this. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but we know they're not at 100%. Victor Oladipo is still making his way back from from his issues. He's not not close to 100%, and it seems pretty clear that he's going to be load-managed the entire season. So that's one big thing here. And then the second one is, and I know that this is going to be something that you want to talk about, their defensive personnel is very different this year. Yeah, it really is. Having lost Thaddeus Young, it'll be interesting. I and mean, this is going to kind of be more now of a, hmm, let's see how good Miles Turner really is. He took a big step forward. The defensive numbers were really good last year, but you liked it more as a tandem with Thaddeus Young in the front court. Now it's going to be DeMontis Sabonis playing next to him. And that does have some height. They'll be better on the defensive glass when they play those two together. Probably not very good when they don't. And they, I don't particularly like their defenders other than Oladipo on the perimeter. Brogdon is okay there. They don't have anyone who's just going to kill you, but there's no one who's that impressive. So I think they're going to take a step back defensively. And remember that they got to that 48 wins last year, really on the strength of a top five defense and i think they're going to be kind of more down in the number 10 range or so this year and extremely reliant on turner i don't think oladipo is going to be the same defensive force coming back because usually defense seems to lag more than offense for these star players coming back and there's talk you know it's going to be december maybe even possibly january for him now it is encouraging that he's at least going through some non-contact portions of practice it sounds like already so maybe that we could be on the earlier end of that return date but as you mentioned he's still going to miss games for load management after that something else i wanted i, yeah, I, ahead, I wanted to discuss is my concerns about their playmaking this year last year oladipo missed some time he's definitely going to miss him this year and brogdon i would argue when healthy is better than any of the point guards they had but they're going from collison and Corey joseph and then some of the other guys like bogdanovich who could do who could do some things yeah. i mean they don't have that lights out shooter like bogdanovich anymore right and so they're going from those guys to brogdon who is a different type of playmaker and is, is sometimes as often better off ball than on ball something that happened in milwaukee even though his decision making has gotten much faster which is excellent they're going to rely more on Aaron Holiday. Holiday is talented, but small, and I'm not a firm believer that he's you know going to beast beast guys as a backup point guard. And you talked about how you know that they're going to miss Thaddeus Young in the starting lineup. Also, think about the defensive forwards that are coming off the bench or that are elsewhere. T.J. Warren has you know he he's had his moment, but he, I don't think of him as a strong defender for many reasons. McDermott, nope. T.J. Leaf, nope. 
And that puts a lot on Miles yeah. Turner's shoulders, everybody else. And so expecting, and maybe there, maybe, maybe Batatze comes in as the backup center and really does it, or Sabonis in those minutes can help key it. But the amount of personnel that they have to execute is much more limited. And another thing to remember is last year, part of the reason that the Pacers were so good defensively is they forced a ton of turnovers. Oladipo's a beast there. He's not going to play as much, especially at the beginning of the year. And losing guys like Thaddeus Young, especially when you're going to a center, is going to hurt that as well. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. I mean, I think they're going to be a little worse offensively this year. Now, they don't have Young. He did compromise their spacing. I understand that. But Bogdanovich was just such an efficient guy. And you look at this group, they've got a lot, a lot of guys who can do stuff. But other than Brogdon, there really isn't anyone who's been like very efficient on the perimeter. Again, unless Oladipo comes back. I think I predicted them to have 42 wins this year. So this is a lot lower than the line. I was way into this might end up being one of my best bets, actually. Now, I think by the end of the year, if with Oladipo back, they'll have sorted out the Sabonis-Turner thing. Either it's going to work with them playing together in the starting lineup or it's not. I'm not a believer in that right now. Uh, so I think by the end of the year, they'll be playing like a 47-48 win team. But I think they could really struggle early. I think they might be over five or under 500 when Oladipo comes back and it's going to take him a while to get his sea legs. You know, I kind of see this team as number 20 on offense, number 10 on defense, and that puts you right around 500. I had them with 42 wins ultimately. So yeah, I'm, I'm significantly under here. Uh, this was definitely a candidate for a best bet. Um, Because I'm just, I'm not sure how it's all going to work offensively. I mean, it seems like they brought in better offensive players, but Bogdanovich was so good for them last year, and they did have Oladipo for half the year. And Sabonis playing more as a backup center, I think was a lot better if he's not going to play backup center as much this year than that's going to be a, a concern as well. Wes Matthews, I, I don't think they necessarily have anyone on the wing who shoots it as well as him either, although he didn't spend that much time with the team. So yeah, that's that's why I'm just like, this is kind of a middling group to me uh, until Oladipo comes back at a superstar level, if he does. Are you ready to move on to Miami? Yeah, definitely. Miami last year, they won 39 games. They had the point differential of a 40.5 win team. So pretty, pretty close there. Obviously added Jimmy Butler. Hopefully we'll be adding more Goran Dragic and a few other players. They were saddled with some injuries, but they lost Josh Richardson. They lost us on Whiteside for better or for worse. And numbers set at 44 and a half. This this was a somewhat challenging line for me because I can see a best case scenario for the Heat where they can where they're just they're good, really good defensively and they're do enough offensively that they can just handle the bad teams and and do it. They're I I'm, think Spo is a great coach and can get and they have a lot of guys that I think when they have enough depth to play hard and to withstand most injuries. The reason I'm going under here is. A general truism for me it's a lot of, there are a lot more ways where a season can go wrong than go right you know an injury or just a general ineffectiveness especially early on it can turn you from being a buyer into a seller and I also don't think there are a ton of players on Miami who have this massive untapped positive potential I, I think there are guys who can be energized by the season guys who can play well but I don't see that to go back to the last time we talked about the Victor Oladipo-esque jump type of guy where they go from being a solid starter to be or even lower than that to being an above average or even an all-star. And so those sorts of reasons when it's on the margin for me, I generally go under. Yeah, I predicted him for 44 wins. This is one of those lines that came in right there. So I guess I got to go under. I reserve the right to change my mind on this one uh, when we get to the start of the season. I mean, my pick right now is my pick for the end of the season. But when I do my season predictions, I kind of go back through and see how, how teams look in the preseason. So one of my biggest concerns is Jimmy Butler potentially missing time. 
that they're going to struggle a lot offensively now they were quietly just a terrible offense last i think they're going to get a little bit worse defensively but not significantly so a lot of it depends on what butler looks like if he defends the way he did last year maybe he's in a new phase of his career where he's not the same defensive player that's not going to help much but i do like some of their athleticism i like their ability to throw out some switching lineups potentially as well Dragic should be better than he was last year offensively so i have this team as you know kind of in the five to eight range on defense and you know maybe the the 19 to 23 range on offense so that's kind of right around your 44 win type of team i I don't really have a ton more to say about them other than that i agree with you that there just isn't that guy who you look at is really gonna blow up even someone like adebayo is not you know he doesn't have like really star talent waiters is supposedly in unbelievable shape we'll see he quietly was i think better than people realized last year once he finally came back so he'll provide some needed creation as well i'm a little concerned about the shooting offensively having lost wayne ellington having lost josh richardson those might have been their two best shooters from last year they were i'm i'm not expecting tyler hero to be ready yet but they also have pretty good depth on this team i think they can withstand injuries they can put a lot of units out there that are going to defend and so a lot of it depends on how Butler plays and how many minutes he plays. Uh, I'm just going to go under mostly based on the fact that I, I don't see him playing 75 games this year. Bucks here. Yeah, I actually, 58 is exactly what I predicted on my pod with Frank Madden. And in really going through, I mean, I think this is, I have him right now ranked as in tier one on both offense and defense, like the number two defense in the NBA and probably the number two offense in the NBA. Um, you can argue they're going to miss Brogdon from last year or, or even Tony Snell, who played more minutes than I think p- people remember because he wasn't in the playoff rotation. But I think I'll go over it, even considering that it's right on there. Maybe the reason that won't happen is because there won't be anyone pushing them. I mean, this, this number is three wins more in terms of an over-under than anyone else has. But I just, I think they're just too good. So I, I, I'm going to go over. I think they have a system that works really, really well in the regular season. It does. And I have some misgivings about them in the playoffs yet again. And I've talked about the Brogdon thing and, and numerous other ones in the past. But they could also make a move to improve as well. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. they have plenty of incentive to do so with with Giannis's pending supermax extension decision coming next summer that's reason to to make the most of this window and also worth mentioning they won 60 last year Giannis missed 10 games Brogdon missed 18 and they had a bunch of bench stuff that was over over the course of the year you know different guys missing time and everything else and they're just really well structured to winning a ton of regular season games they should be better at backup center too actually this year right yeah they can they can run that same system with uh 48 minutes of lopez's so much lopez and with with Giannis being a monster, I, I think there's a meaningful chance that he's even better this coming year, just because that's what generally happens with players as good as he was, as young as he is. That's generally the way that works. And they have a lot of other talent, you know. I, I do you know, with Bledsoe and Hill, and then West Matthews coming for the minimum. That could end up being a very important signing. So. There is absolutely a chance. 58 is a ton of wins. There's absolutely a chance that the Bucks have a great season, even have the number one record in the entire league, and do not win 58 games. It's absolutely a possibility. But when you kind of piece together how a team wins this many games, I've said this before about the Rockets and the Warriors at other points, it's just there's such a heavy favorite against the average team on most nights, as long as they're like playing their dudes, 
that they can get close to this just kind of normally just doing their stuff. And then it's really how do they fare against the best of the best? Can they pick up some road wins and all that kind of stuff? And I believe in this team. So I'm going over. Wow, I thought we might have a difference there. I, I, I thought changed, I thought you were yeah. going to go under. Yeah, I realized as I was going through that I had <laughs> I had too many unders. Uh, that was one that I changed right at the at the end. But it, I mean, you're probably always better going under <laughs> yep. 58 wins for for any team. You know, like that's the, just to say, hey, these guys are at the extremes. Let's go under. Uh, I mean, even Golden State was under the last two years, and they're one of the greatest teams of all time. I think they were even, they might have even been under the first KD year. I think they were. I think they're under all three years. And those Miami teams were always under. So I, I don't feel amazing about this. And I kind of wish I had picked them for 57 wins on the pod, and then I could go under. But uh, nah, I, I just think that like somebody's got to be really good, and I think it's going to be them. Uh, and. I mean, as I really went through it, I'm like, you know, if you're if they're the number two offense and the number two defense, they're going to be right there again. So, uh, Knicks. Well, well you said or, or you, you said you, you said you said somebody has to be really good. It's not going to be the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks. So here's here's a good way to think about it. The over under was set at there's 27 and a half. Last year, the Hawks we talked about earlier, they finished 25th in offense and 27th in defense. And it took them overperforming their point differential by a ton, by almost five games, to win 29. So as as much as like 27 and a half doesn't feel like a big total for a team with this level of talent, I think that's a it would it would be big for them to win this many games. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's I a lot of it to me is. How are they going to play and who are they going to play? They got all these new guys coming in. Are all these guys going to make it through the entire season? How much is RJ Barrett going to get the ball? I think he's going to really struggle to be efficient. Point guard, Smith, Payton, and Nilakina. Tough to see who could be efficient there. The Dennis Smith star is starting to wane. I still have some hope for him, but I think it's more, more likely than not that it's not really going to work out for him as far as being a solid starting point guard at this point in time. Are they going to play Wayne Ellington that much? He's really their only really good shooter. Reggie Bullock is probably going to start the season on the shelf, it sounds like. Is Kevin Knox going to play? Marcus Morris is going to play at the three. He's really more of a four. They have no shooting in the front court, probably. I mean, they've got four power forwards, assuming they're going to play Morris at the three. And three of them can't shoot at all between Gibson, Randall, and Mitchell Robinson. Now, if they were going to play Taj Gibson and Mitchell Robinson together, maybe you could figure out a way for there to be some defensive hope for this group. Like they could maybe put out an okay defensive unit here and there, but I think overall they're, they're largely not going to be very good. And then they just, they've just got so many gunners on this team. It doesn't seem like a team that's going to play well together. That's going to be less than the sum of their parts. And they've just, there's nobody on this team other than Randall who you look at. It's like, oh, this guy is as one of our big scores is actually efficient as well. So I've got them probably bottom five in offense and defense. I mean, they have these vets who you know have produced and have been parts of winning situations at times, but I just, I think it's going to be less than the sum of their parts. And those parts aren't all that great to begin with. Right. And I'm concerned about the kind of the the movement of the ball within their offense, defense, how engaged are these guys? And then a, a, a big picture thing for bad teams is when you have to guess who's going to play, It you the assumption is that it's going to be the young guys because they're the players who are going to be around long term. And generally speaking, the young guys are worse than the older guys. So that can be RJ Barrett. That could be Kevin Knox. And those, especially those two, but depending on what happens at the guard spots too, you could go in a couple different directions there. 
generally speaking, especially once it becomes clear that the Knicks aren't going to make the playoffs, then you go in that direction. And 27.5 is a low enough number where if they're kind of close to it and due to lottery reform, maybe they could push over it. And so it'd be like a, a rough loss at 28 or 29 where they played like a worse team than that for most of the year. It's possible. And that's probably why, I, 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 as of right now, I don't think it's going to be one of my best bets. But yeah. I just think they're worse than this. I, I actually would make the argument, too, that teams at the bottom need to tank a little harder to limit their downside risk. Agreed. Agreed. Because, like, there's a huge difference between having your downside risk being five if you're the worst team and having your downside risk being nine if you have the fourth worst record. Or I guess eight if you have the fourth worst record. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And depending on the structure of the draft, that can it can be really significant. Yeah, so I, I think I feel pretty good about this under as well. Again, I'm not going to say that they can't go over, but it's just... And also, it's just, it's the Knicks. They're always worse than you think they're going to be in some way or some fashion. And whether it's trades, whether it's playing the wrong guys, you know, Fizdale did not particularly impress me last year, though, again, they had very little talent. The way that this maybe goes wrong is maybe Mitchell Robinson is just a huge defensive stud, and maybe they just don't play Kevin Knox at all. Bullock comes back, and he can give them something. But it's just, it's tough for me to see. I mean, other than Robinson, Gibson, and Marcus Morris, like, nobody else on this team really projects to be a good defender i don't even know how much gibson is going to play frankly you know and, any some, units, and some of these guys might not even be on the team that long maybe they'll end up you know in december or january being somewhere else just because why and yeah i mean and, and if you look at like who's the primary you could talk about the offense yeah they have some scores but it's like uh their best offensive player is julius randall you know and yeah. he's he's not uh he's not one of the top 30 offensive players in the nba you know right so that's, and, and that's a good a good indication they're going to be pretty bad offensively still and if julius randall is starting presumably he's starting at the four next to mitchell robinson and then you have all sorts of spacing issues and everything else and uh for if you want yeah, to hear, that's a great point if too, you want that to, i hadn't thought about if you want to hear extended thoughts i i'm a big believer in mitchell robinson i think this could be a big year for him i actually talked about that a lot on uh ben taylor's thinking basketball podcast when we were picking breakout guys i talked about him a lot and I, but that can be done in a way that doesn't really help the Knicks that much because they're just, they just don't have that much. And, and the whole, the sum, the whole being less than the sum of the parts, I think is, is really true here. Somebody has to get these guys the ball. They're, the players have such overlapping skill sets and overlapping weaknesses that I think it will be hard to, and make overlapping positions. Yes. So it's, <laughs> it's, Fisdale just has such a brutally hard job this year. And, it's also hard to imagine it clarifying in a way that is significantly better for them. You know, maybe, you know, if there are injuries or somebody gets traded or something like that, but it's not like they're going to get a ton of shooting in a trade or they're going to get a dynamic point guard or anything like that, probably. So, yeah, I, I, I think this, I, I don't expect them to go over. There, there are ways that it could happen, but yeah, I'm going under. And that is what I will be doing with the Orlando Magic 42 and a half is there over under another one where i think it's really kind of right on the borderline i was very concerned when you and i did the pod about them about backup point guard it looks like marco fultz is going to be available now maybe he's a decent bet to give them okay backup point guards minutes i'm still not a believer that his jump shot is going to be ready nick vucevic i expect him to take a little bit of a step back this year so i mean they're the number 22 offense a year ago and i don't really see that changing a ton with the talent on hand maybe if they can just get better when augustin and vooch are off the floor uh, with faults 
that that can help them uh, get to be a little bit better. And I think their defense might be primed for a, a slight regression. That last year, they were pretty much in line with their expected point differential. They're about a win lower than expected. They're at the point differential of a 43-win team. That would put them over if they repeated that a year ago. But I did, did think there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to this. Maybe they could just... You know, not having Vucevic and Augustin as your one and your five just won't matter. They got Alfruk Aminu to play uh, as a backup combo forward, and maybe their defense can still uh, be that good and take a step forward. So I, I could easily be wrong here. There's also just the idea that there'll be a lot of bad teams that are done, especially in the East, by the time the playoff chase rolls around and they'll be continuing to fight. They tore through it the last two, three months of last season. So this could easily be wrong. Won't be a best bet, but I, I'm just I'm not totally in love with this group. And I thought they were they took a big step forward last year. I think we might see a little bit of regression uh, just because some of that would be unsustainable, particularly from Augustine and Vooch. And I also think Augustine is a big regression candidate. So uh, I picked them for 40 wins when you and I did the pod. You had them for 42, so I'm guessing you're going to go under also. I'm actually not. Uh, this was oh, yeah? I, I've changed a little bit on it. <sighs> It's, uh, th- so are, are you changing your prediction? Should I put something new in the spreadsheet? Can, can I uh, enter new data into a cell? If, if you want to put it as 43, that's fine. Yay! Um, yay. It, it, it's a really tough call. This is a, a well a well made line. And I mean, you got at some of this pretty well. Last year, after January 1st, the Magic had the number three defense in the league. And that's overly rosy. I don't think they're going to be that good. But part of why they struggled in the first half of the year was these huge holes at point guard and backup center backup point guard backup center to be clear dj had a very good year and i think both of those are going to be better than they were at the beginning of last year but maybe some of them end up being worse because if bomba ends up being the backup over kemp birch and depending on what markel fultz we see i think it'll be better than jaron grant but maybe he'll be worse than isaiah briscoe and mcw though it could easily go the other way i mean i i still really like mark elfoltz even as a limited player just the value that he can bring and i i, I have similar concerns about the offense but I, I i'm a broad believer in their defense and i think they can put it together enough a lot of the steve clifford elements i think really help them not turning the ball over being effective on the glass those help raise their floor and it's you know i I don't necessarily love love this over. It, there are funny parallels of this and the other disagreement we've had so far, the Detroit Pistons, where it, the argument the other way is just so easy for me to see. But you have to make a decision at some point, and I, I like what they're doing, so I'm going to go over. Philly, 55 is their over-under. I'm going to go under just basically because of health and load management reasons. I think they're going to be really, really good. I think this, by the time the playoffs roll around, could be one of the best defenses of all time. I have them picked to be the number one defense in the NBA, but I think the the offense may not be that good. That I think the loss of Redick is really going to hurt them. I don't know how much Embiid is going to play, probably less than last year. Uh, it seems like they're not going to play Al Horford as much as backup center just to kind of preserve him as well. Their bench guys like Thibel and Zaire Smith, I don't know how good those guys are going to be offensively. I think when Embiid's off the floor, they could really struggle to score. They are going to have Tobias Harris all year, maybe, but they're going to be relying on him to improve yet again, which he's done it 
pretty linearly in his career so maybe that could be a way to take a step forward i still don't think the shooting on offense is that good so i see them kind of more in the you know the 10 to 15 range offensively but i think they're just such a nasty defensive team uh that they just could be so hard to deal with in the playoffs so i think they'll be a better playoff team than a regular season team and so it just comes down to going with the under because i think that they're going to be really taking it easy and i also don't think there's going to be anyone pushing them too hard for the two seed which is another and i don't think they're going to be that close to milwaukee for the one so i think they're going to kind of just be chilling in the 53 win area with with nobody that close to them in either direction last season only four teams had the uh, point differential of a 55 win team or stronger and so and that's you know it's a lot to ask of any team and while the Sixers absolutely have that talent to get there, that's the, I don't I think it's hard to argue against that as a concept. But you have to actually put it together. I I'm not going to say as strongly as you that they're going to be a, a like a way better playoff team than regular season team because I worry about their playoff offense. But their defense is going to be filthy, and also in the playoffs they're going to play their best guys a higher proportion of the time, which is actually the biggest reason I'm going under here. Kind of like you, where they'll be they'll be cautious with load management. They'll they'll make all. All those kinds of decisions in that respect. Also, the Sixers were 7.4 games at expected win differential behind that last year. Just like that tells you how much of a jump this would be. But behind 55 Behind wins. 55. Yeah, they, they had the yeah. point differential last year of a 47.6 win team. So that that's a big jump for them. And it's... I would say the Sixers are better, but think about all the offensive adjustments they're going to have to make. They don't have J.J. Redick as kind of a, a lubricant for their offense anymore. That's going to be a big adjustment, and there are other pieces that they're going to have to fit in, and I think it'll work, but I think it's going to take time, and that adjustment time will have an effect in terms of wins. So I think they're going to be a really good team. I'm a believer in them. It would not surprise me, again, to think that to think that going into the playoffs especially specifically with how they face how they could look against the bucks that i will like i could like them in that series or at least be more optimistic than the record differential that they have but that's not what the question is the question is how many games will the philadelphia 76ers win in the regular season i think it's less than 55 yeah and i'm also very concerned about going 55 wins over 55 wins so they'd have to get to 56 for this to hit on the over and this will come up with a couple other teams as well if you haven't proven that you're at that type of a level i'm just very loath to go there because you just never know again how all these parts are going to fit together and especially in year one so i just say unless generally my policy is unless you've been at that 55 wins or over level before i kind of am not really that interested in picking you to do that for the first time and that was that was kind of my logic for going under on boston last year that worked out pretty well um so we'll see whether whether that works with Philly, but it it does seem, especially with the way last year ended and Embiid being injured and the fact that they're just clearly going to be focused on the playoffs this year. They've said, yeah, we want to get the number one seed, but they've also said we want to get everyone to the playoffs healthy. And I would imagine, especially if the Bucks are as good as I think they are, that that push is just not going to materialize. All right, we got two more here. Let's do uh, Toronto. 46 is their over-under. Yeah, and I think this is a really well-set line. I struggled with it, and it's also always a challenge when a team looks very different than they did the year before because we don't have an established baseline. 
And I ended up leaning on, even though I like Nick Nurse, I like a lot of the guys that are still on this Raptors team, I leaned on two ideas to go under. One is there are many ways for more ways for a season to go worse than expected than better. And because partially due to the potential 2021 motivations, just how they're seeing it, my instinct is that the Raptors are more likely sellers than buyers. They're probably neither. Like I think the most likely thing is that they're neither. But when I, I think about a team that way, just because of where the Raptors are, banners fly forever, and they have all these veterans on expiring contracts that they could, you know, if they wanted to go in different directions, they absolutely could. And almost every trade involving somebody like Kyle Lowry or Serge Ibaka is probably going to make the Raptors worse in the immediate. So, and also I don't expect Kyle Lowry to get traded. Let me emphasize that and double double bullet it and all that. But those are those general things. The way that works most often is that a team goes under. Maybe they don't go under by much. I think the Raptors are a playoff team, but I'm going under. All right, we finally have a disagreement here. Or I guess we had the the other one was Detroit. This one I feel better about. I did pick them for exactly 46 wins on the pod with Blake Murphy. So I don't feel incredibly strongly about it. But in that 17 and 5 without Kawhi last year, granted, they also had Danny Green for those games. But that makes me feel good. They have guys who are young enough to improve. We'll see whether Pascal Siakam can take the next step this year. I think they just have too much institutional knowledge of this group. I really believe in nurses coaching. Even when you go back to the days, and Cal Lowry isn't quite the same player as a couple of years ago, but you go back to the days when DeRozan would miss time and they were just as good without him on the floor. I think their defense is still going to be really good. It may not be quite as awesome as it was in the playoffs without Kawhi, but I think they should be, uh, I have them projected as the number four, not, I mean, I'm not doing some like, you know, actual statistical production. This is kind of me just eyeballing it, but uh, I have them projected as, you know, in the three to five range defensively. They're kind of similar to Miami in some respects, uh, but I like their defense better than Miami's. They they don't have any huge holes defensively still that, that you can attack. And the big problem offensively is the shooting on the wing, you know, but you also have Van Vliet and Lowry when you have that kind of shooting at the one that helps a little bit. They've also got shooters at the five between Gasol and Ibaka. So I, I have them, you know, a slightly below average offense and that top five defense. I think that is going to get you into the mid to high forties and wins. And so if I had to pick one way to go with it, I think I would go uh, with the over 46 wins. How do you feel about the the idea that I put out there that the Raptors are more likely sellers than buyers? Do you think? Yeah, I suppose so. But I think the only way that would be the case is if they were going to go under anyway, right? Like, like if they're if they're on pace to hit this over, I don't think they do sell everything off. I think they're yeah, just, that's fair. Yeah, if it's just like, hey, we just got nothing going on, or Cal Lowry got hurt or something, they're going to go under regardless of whether they move guys or not. Yeah. And it was hard for me to go under here because there's so many guys that I really like on this team, even without Kawhi and Danny Green. I mean, you have the defensive personnel, as you brought up, is, is Sterling. They have a really good coach and they have they have depth. They don't have as much depth as I would love, but they have, you know, they have guys. Yeah. And they they have some outs of guys where, you know, they signed three or four guys and maybe one of them hits and that's all they need. Yeah. Uh, OK, Washington, 26 and a half. I have a feeling I know where you're going here, but I'll, I can't wait to find out. Ugh. You probably know from that from that expression where what this is. It's just a low total. It, it, at 26 and a half, I put these together that last year, after John Wall got hurt, the Wizards had the point differential of a 37-win team. And then after they traded Otto Porter a little bit later, rougher end of the year, still a 34-win team on, on pace for it. And even though I think it's a mistake, I think Bradley Beal is going to be on the team for the entire year. 
and their depth is definitely a problem. All all of these misgivings are totally valid. That I don't know who the heck on this team is going to play defense. You know, they're probably going to rely a lot on guys like Hachimura, who just are going to need more time. Well, well, I know who's going to play defense. It's Thomas Bryant and uh, C.J. Miles and isaiah thomas and, Ish smith. and Ish smith so uh yeah those will be the guys playing defense right and so yeah they'll be they'll be quite bad on that end and but i think offensively they'll have enough there i, I i'm interested in how much davis bertans plays I've, I've been a fan of his for a while and you know bryant can be capable offensively bradley beal was in the all nba conversation of course last year so i don't feel great about this over i feel pretty terrible about it but I mean, I think they're I think they're better than the Knicks. I think that's kind of part of it here is you get into those kind of circumstances, and it's and also I wonder with Tommy Shepard and Ted Leonsis how they're going to approach this. This was something I didn't really bring up with the Hornets, though I thought about it. Is are they really a likely seller just with the way that management is structured? And my instinct is no. Maybe with Shepard there, he could be a little bit more of a voice for Ted to make it happen, but I don't think so. I'm going to go with the under. I this is relatively comfortably, actually. I had them for 24 wins on the pod that I did with Fred and Mike Preda. I think they're a clear bottom five unit defensively. They just, when we did that pod, we talked about who is the best defensive player on the Washington Wizards. And uh, that was a rather disturbing discussion. Troy Brown is going to be out probably for the start of the regular season. There was some hope if you if you liked this team relatively of course that you know he could be a contributor that that's not a great start there's just i mean they have one starting quality quality player on this roster and that's bradley beal and they've got a bunch of backups that aren't necessarily gonna be nba quality as well they're gonna be in total development mode tommy shepherd said he wants to get 1500 professional minutes for all of their rookies now some of that could be with the capital city go-go but I think clearly, as it becomes clear that they are done, those guys are going to play more and it's going to get ugly. But when you're starting from a clear bottom five defense, it's really tough. And I do think Beal could be moved because they're going to start off so poorly that he might just decide, hey, I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. And that he could ask for the trade. And offensively, Ish Smith can't shoot. He's the only rotation level point guard on the roster right now, Isaiah Thomas he's injured to start the year as well and hasn't played well since the hip injury backup two is isaac bonga or you know cj miles i guess is gonna be the starting three and backing him up to start the season will be admiral schofield ruri hachimura is a rookie who's not gonna be able to shoot the nba three most likely so i think like their spacing could be an issue at times especially when miles is off the floor he'd actually be a bit important player for them offensively but he's struggled with injuries braun hasn't shown he can shoot the three at the nba level thomas bryant could shoot it a little bit uh, i think and then because of the development factor you think they're going to probably try to play hachimura a lot if the, if i knew that davis bertans was going to play 2200 minutes for this team then i might feel a little bit better about their offense but and then if they lose beal then they're going to be you know one of the worst offenses in the nba so they're just so many young guys so many unproven guys this has all the feel of a season that is just going to turn into playing out the string mode sooner rather than later well, and so that's why i'm going i'm going to interject you convince me i'm going under it's I- ah! 
<laughs> I thought I, I was like, yes, this is what I feel pretty confident about. What I realized is that, that like, I was talking about their differentials from last year. I think their defense was kind of unsustainably good during that stretch last year. You know, well, the- well, and also, I mean, here's the thing: like you said, oh, they were 32 wins, and they played like a 37 win team after one time. I mean, granted, Jabari Parker and Trevor Ariza and Bobby Portis are not like amazing players at this point in this career, but those are like better than probably two thirds of the guys who are going to be in right. the rotation. Exactly, and that that was the thing I was I was thinking about as you got through. It's just like how they're, and also it's just an incredibly shallow rotation, really everywhere that that becomes a big problem and it's the gravity in these situations just generally pulls that direction so i'm sorry to to take a potential win away from you but it's the right decision (laughs) now now watch him go over all right well so we're both pretty pessimistic here you actually are more pessimistic than me huh yeah you you what did you how many unders did you have 11 (laughs) yeah i'm guessing you're not gonna have 11 overs on the when it gets to the west no i'm not but it doesn't have to add up yeah and it does seem to uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't think we're, I think we're usually have a few more unders than overs, but I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where we're at uh, after the West. And you can find that out uh, with our next podcast, which will be dropping on Tuesday night. Uh, you got anything to talk about before we go? I, I mentioned it before, but the, the podcast I did with Ben Taylor for thinking basketball was a lot of fun. I also recorded the Southeast division podcast, including five of the 15 we broke down today. That was with Mike Prada and Fred Katz. And my writing is going to start coming up in more full force. I'm working on a series of pieces for The Athletic. I'm guessing those are going to start dropping this week. I don't have a specific date yet because I haven't finished writing them, much less have them go through the editorial process. But yeah, this is really like I was thinking of October 1st is really when things were going to start ramping up. So let's get going. All right, yeah, we got our first preseason game that we're going to Chase Center opening on Saturday. I think by the time you listen to this, in fact, there will have actually been preseason games that have been played. I will be watching those with rapt attention. I'm ready for some basketball. It's been a long time, it seems like, but I say that every year. All right, we will talk to you all on Tuesday night. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.